0: The Leadership File, on Premier. Welcome to the show which helps you lead where God has placed you. I'm Andy Peck. Whatever your political affiliations, the Grenfell Tower tragedy has brought issues of justice very much to the agenda. it will be wrong at this stage to draw conclusions, uh, certainly recording as we are ahead of uh, the major reports that are going to be made, but we do know that those who lost their lives tended to be those towards the bottom of the economic ladder. Christians have been rightly on the side of the poor and sufferers of injustice. But When it comes to economic injustice, it can be hard to know exactly what to think. What exactly should we look for? Does the Bible favour a more socialist approach over a free market one? Or is it more nuanced than this? And Are Christians battling for justice, better putting their energies elsewhere? Well, to join us to talk about this topic, I'm joined by Andy Hartrop. is an expert in both economics and ethics, having doctorates in each, and has published widely on topics in Christianity and economics, as well as being an ordained minister in the Church of England. His book, What is Economic Justice?, is published by Pat Anoster. So welcome, Andy, to the Leadership Farm. Thank you. Uh, your journey to interest in economics?
1: Yeah, I was a teenager growing up in Derby in the East Midlands. We had a daily paper... And so I was, I was beginning to be more aware of the world around and interested in reading what's going on, current mm-hmm. affairs. Another thing was that my father was worked in industry uh, for Rolls-Royce in oh, yeah. Derby, and he would talk about what's going on and issues. Uh, Mum and Dad were both committed Christians, and so they, they were talking about the fact that all of God's world matters to God. It's it, his world, it all matters to him, and economics is interesting. So I chose to study it at A-level. A and I've never looked back, really, sure. and continue to find it really fascinating. It's about people as well. So it's not just systems or numbers, but people, mm-hmm. what they Did do. Did you do an
0: economics degree? As
1: yeah, economics degree at University of Southampton. Oh, yes. And you mentioned a doctorate, so one was in economics again at Southampton. Well,
0: wonderful. Good stuff. Uh, and your journey to faith, you were s- brought up in a Christian
1: home. Yeah, my mum and dad believers in Jesus Christ so they helped me to encourage me to read the Bible every day and to pray with me and to be part of a church so that was great I guess never a time when I was away from God in that way but I do remember a time my my own step round about age 13 just quietly praying to Jesus Christ yeah this is really for me I want to follow you and trust you so that ups and downs of course o- over a year since then but yeah that's a, great to have that nourishment from the start
0: wonderful wonderful now you'll know that the church has classically split into those who are caring for the poor and focused on works those who are concerned for evangelism and focused on the word uh, and those who are concerned to see god's power and focused on what we might call wonders um, recent decades have led it to it seems to be a far more nuanced approach from many church christians who are mixing mixing them up a little bit so you root your thinking in the bible so what does the bible say about economic justice in these kind of areas
1: yeah i mean i think it's helpful to see the big background there and that i think there has been a more coming together yeah. so the in the evangelical world the lausanne covenant really helped people to see that preaching the gospel and doing good in society they belong together as part of our living in the world part of our, our mission so as some people put it preaching grace doing justice that's what a good kind of slogan to to capture it yeah what does the bible say about justice well it says a lot and i think one thing i really wanted to emphasize for people is that in our society across the world people lots of people use the word justice but they disagree with each other about what actually justice is so people use the same word, but mean very different things mm-hmm. by it. So you're on a political spectrum, you're right across to left, but in different areas of life as well. So we need to be aware of that. Just because we hear the word justice, we don't necessarily know what it's about. So when I began to look more carefully at what, what the Bible says, uh, justice in the Bible, justice and righteousness are really closely linked in the Old Testament, the two great words, justice mm-hmm. And, righteousness. and in, in the Old Testament, they really start with God, with the character of God, who he is. So there are many, many verses on this in the Old Testament, but one says, you know, Isaiah eight, For I, the Lord, love justice. So God, deeply committed, he loves justice. Another one, Psalm 89.14, it says of God, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. So righteousness and, and justice, they start right back in who God is, in his own character, the foundation of his throne. So you know, Christians, we've got a tremendous advantage here. I think many non-Christians are really struggling. What, what is justice? What's it really mean? Does it really exist even? We know that it does because it starts with God's own own character. And then we go on look a bit more and you see that righteousness and justice very closely related. Righteousness has slightly more the idea of conforming to a norm but also in a relationship. So it's not a dry concept, but I will treat people rightly. And God models that perfectly. And justice is putting that into action, if you like, doing the right thing. So righteousness is, is a kind of inequality, who you are, justice is more what you do in practice, but they belong really closely together. And the New Testament backs it up. So I think when we read the words Righteousness in the New Testament, Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Includes both those elements, justice and righteousness. And then when we start looking at justice in economic life, uh, really I argue in my book, What is Economic Justice? There are four aspects to this. First is a kind of defining one, that, that justice is about treating people appropriately according to the, the way that God wants us to treat them, according to the norms that God has laid down for us. So justice is, is treating people rightly. So uh, buying and selling, employer, employee, treating people rightly. The second thing is a special emphasis in the Bible, as lots of us know, on justice for the poor and needy and economic justice, so often that, that comes across in the Prophets, in Proverbs, in the Psalms, all sorts of places, um, To a special, so it's not only about the poor need but it's a particular emphasis. And the third element is to say this this relational thing, really to, to highlight that, that justice is not just about who gets what slice of the cake, but it's how people are treated. So an employer uh, should treat people, should pay wages on time and wi- pay proper wages to the employee. Um, buyers and sellers should treat people treat each other properly not oppress each other not exploit each other and lots of other examples and then the final thing the fourth thing is that the slices of the cake do matter how how we share out God's resources in a society in a community so justice means in, in the new testament in the old testament especially is that uh, people are participate in God's blessings. Everyone participates. No one is left out, not the poor, not the widows who don't have any land, but everyone is included and can share in God's blessings. And That makes for a really powerful package. Mm. A lot going on there, but it's a rich, deep, com- uh, really rich package mm. and to encourage us. Uh, far more to say, actually, than secular people. Sure. Uh, that's my point. Uh, often, uh, so you end up with justice is about two things, but it's how People treat each other in buying and selling, in production, in trade, but also in how the cake is shared out. If you like, right. in, in distribution.
0: Okay, and so atti- the attitude is, is is part and parcel. It's not just about the hard facts about the, the num the, you know the number.
1: Yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. The amount
0: of ways, the minimum wage, whatever. It's all to do to do with the relationship between worker and employee that's right
1: yeah. the attitude to justice righteousness are closely linked in in the bible with with faithfulness and love and kindness a so part of the package again deriving from who god is how he treats us
0: um, now there are there are approaches to economics that that others take uh, which might stray from what the bible's trying to do and i'm just wondering if if there are things the bible does not say and obviously there are you know maybe Christians on the far left or even on the far right who argue for their their particular cause and I just wonder your perspective on that
1: yeah thanks a really important question especially because we need to be aware that people again people use the word justice but mean very different things by it actually people on the far right probably would want to say economics and justice they don't belong together at all there is no such thing as economic justice. But I think you'll see that, from what I've said, the Bible just has no truck with that at all. It really matters how people treat each other, and that's very clear. And on the left, I think the danger there is people kind of have a, a kind of cut-down view of justice and think that it's really about the state, and only about the state doing things, having the right structures and laws. And that state is really important and government does have a role the, the role of leaders in is really clear in the old testament about uh, a good leader is someone who who seeks to deliver people out yeah. of oppression but it's all of us in all our lives so every level of society uh, economic justice matters so don't have a kind of cut down version
0: yeah uh, and there are i've read groups who on the individuals who've said that You know, modern economics is so different from the kind of theocracy in Israel that dominates the Bible. Therefore, what you've just said about this is all very well, but actually, you know, we're in the real world today. And I don't know, obviously, there's the whole principle of interpretation and application of Scripture. Just what would you say to those kind of folk?
1: Yeah, I think the the first thing I would say is that God's word, his written word, reveals God's mind. So from the particular teachings for Israel, which, sure, that was a theocracy, God ruled in in an acknowledged, explicit, uh, and unique way, but out of the teachings, for example, in Exodus and Leviticus and Tewshonu, about how people should treat one another in their farming, in their economic business dealings, and in formal corporate worship, and in their families, we can, out of those particular teachings, we can work back, if you like, to principles that tell us what's important for the mind and, and heart of God. And of course, God's mind hasn't changed. So there are unchanging principles that we can draw from the particular teachings. So yeah, we, we mustn't simply proof text from somewhere deep in Leviticus to 2017 and Brexit or you know, Tesco or the local co-op or something. But there are principles because they're about who God is and what's important to him. So God the word of God reveals the mind of God and God's mind doesn't change doesn't change. But clearly we have to work carefully then with our Bibles. We we mustn't make that proof texting mistake. And we must look at the whole package of teaching, Old and New Testament. But there is a, so to speak, a wealth of teaching in the Bible, not just in the Uh, the law part, you know, Exodus, uh, Numbers, Leviticus, Jews, but in the narratives we can learn in practice what happens to people when they do follow God's way in economic social life and when they don't. And from that we can see a bit more what it should mean to please God and, and live rightly. We see it in the Psalms and in the wisdom literature and in the prophets as they proclaim God's judgment often against economic injustice, against the way people are I've got a wrong view of money, wrong way of treating people, and we see it right on into the New Testament as well. So, and it's all one harmonious message, I'm convinced of that. It, It fits together, it coheres together. So, yeah, we mustn't make the mistake of thinking uh, simply lifting a a text and taking it out of context into our society. But equally, we mustn't make the worst mistake, possibly, of just giving up on what the Bible has to say. It is very much the word of God for today.
0: Well, you're listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Andy Hartrop and his uh, book, Uh, What is Economic Justice? is published by Pat We're looking at economic justice, and we'll be back just after this. Welcome back to The Leadership File with me Andy Pecker, I'm joined this week by Andy Hartrop. and he's an expert in both economics and ethics, having doctorates in each and published widely on topics in Christianity and economics and particularly um, his book What is Economic Justice? We're talking about those kind of themes which are often uh, talked about within church and charity circles and really the difficulty of, of establishing what do you really mean by justice and uh, the presumptions that sometimes we have when we hear that language or use that language ourselves. Um, I appreciate it's slightly off topic, uh, Andy, but your research on these issues inform thinking on work in the developing world. Of course, uh, I appreciate this is a big question, but um, any any thoughts on on the approaches maybe you like and don't like within the way Christians maybe have have, have sought to um, work on behalf of the poor or whatever?
1: Sure, and I think the remembering that justice in the Bible is this relational emphasis, treating people rightly. Let's have that in mind as we look more particularly at the developing world and issues going on there. I have a number of things to say about that. One is of course, yes Christians, we want to be working to see poverty defeated. Um, that's really important and where there's people being maltreated and oppressed economically, we need to be working to overcome that in, in different ways. But also to defeat poverty is complex so we shouldn't have a sort of simplistic approach about that and i find it really helpful part of my working life i've been with the oxford center for mission studies which brings together mid-career christian leaders from across the whole world especially from africa and asia and and learn learn lots from them about development and what it should or could mean in in their own majority world context so yes to defeating poverty uh, really ultimately what we're looking for is that people can earn their own living That's the goal we're getting to, so that people are not dependent on handouts, shall we say, but like many of us in the West, it's a good thing if we can have the dignity and responsibility of being able to earn our own living. That's the goal we're working towards. Mm. So that's yesterday defeating poverty. Secondly, um, we mustn't mimic Western-style development, in quotes, You know, I think as Christians, we need to be very aware in the West of consumerism and materialism. And we've gone a long way down a road of defining our lives in economic terms. So there's a book just out about economics as a religion and economics kind of calling all the shots. But Jesus warned us against that. You know, you cannot worship God. You cannot love both God and money. So for Christians, yeah, it's good that we've got uh, comfortable lives and we can drive around and transport and so on. But let's not uh, let's make sure that our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world don't mimic the bad aspects of western style developments. That's the second thing to to be uh, thinking about. And the third thing to say something about is about globalisation that's a phrase globalisation that many of us might be familiar but over the last 20, 30 years, years we've seen a great speeding up of interaction and trade between different parts of the world. And globalization really is a two-edged sword. It has actually helped to lift many people out of poverty in a large number of countries in the majority world. So we can be thankful for that. uh, And the role of markets is important, but markets must be kept in place. They're a a good servant, but a bad master. But the other side of globalization is that it's still leaving many people in great poverty Uh, and there's an Oxford economist called Paul Collier who wrote a book just a few years ago called The Bottom Billion and showed that there are about a billion people in mostly in particular countries who've not benefited at at all from globalisation. So many people have not benefited and yet a few people have got incredibly wealthy through globalisation. So it's very much a two-edged sword. It has lifted many people out of poverty but it's also same, same time left us with even more extremes some people many still in absolute poverty and a few who are incredibly wealthy um, unbelievably mm-hmm. wealthy so we need to be quite careful have, have a
0: good critique of what's going on yeah I was interested that um, <clears throat> when you analyze for example the billions poured into Africa there is a, um, a lot of it has not served the, the needs of African nations because there's some infrastructure stuff there's also sort of, I mean there's, obviously it's a it's a big issue as to why um, but also some of, the chari- some of the Christian charities have found that that making people dependent upon aid has not actually helped them in the long term obviously if someone's starving now you feed them but but actually the you know significant charities have have done things which seem to be counterintuitive that you don't actually give, you you train and and help them in other ways. Um, I don't know if you've got any comment on that.
1: Yeah, that's my experience very much with this group I mentioned in Mm -hmm. Oxford. People are saying it's very easy to be lulled into, be kind of duped into a kind of dependency mentality, they're saying to me, Uh, but they know it's actually important. That's not a healthy long-term option. From the Western side of that, I think one of the dra- dangers for us is that we think we we must somehow uh, repent of, well that's true, we must repent of what we've done wrong in in previous decades and so on, but we mustn't leave poor people still at our behest. We may mm. make, make us feel good to write a cheque or something, but that may not actually be the best thing for that person. So we need yeah. to be intelligent and smart about the ways that we help to equip people to be able to stand on their own feet as families and communities.
0: Yeah, just as I suppose in a family you might, it's not always the best thing just to give your children exactly what they ask for.
1: That's you a know, good model. Uh, and uh, and also to move towards interdependent. Mm. You know, and, uh, and as Christians, so much we need to learn from our brothers and sisters in Africa yes. and Asia uh, and b- learn that from their critique of the West yeah, as well. So it's a two-way flow we're looking for. Mm.
0: Now I don't know if you're familiar the, the, the poverty and justice bible <laughs> lists 3000 verses believed to be in all around this theme um will uh, be some of the leaders listening are preachers uh, and and now if they're going to be faithful to the text it's going to come up at some from time to time I uh, just wonder any thoughts on on preaching without it being kind of veering into political stuff that's perhaps not going to be edifying
1: Yeah that's a really important question and I think one thing I'd want to encourage preachers to, to remember is something we touched on earlier, that we need to think biblically about what the word justice, what the word righteousness means, what those words mean. So we need to have kind of biblical lenses when we read our Bibles, not secular or non-Christian lenses. So we go back you know, to this relational emphasis uh, and all the points we were talking about earlier. So we need to be beware of that. Uh, and of course we need to also be aware of kind of f- of works based it's always the case that grace comes first mm. the book I mentioned at the end you know that how god god's grace makes us just mm. so the gospel must be at the center we must avoid that, that, that way of slipping away from a proper biblical emphasis but more specifically uh, looking at Bible text on justice, on economic justice, I think there are four steps really I would try to follow myself. One is understand the original context. So if it's Amos saying let justice roll down like rivers, we need to spend a bit of time with the commentaries. So what were the kind of situations in that context, what what did it look like, the injustice, what were the errors, some sense of that. We can get that from the text if we look carefully. We don't Mm -hmm. have to do five years of research, it's Mm -hmm. available. So understand the original context. Secondly, to recognize and highlight the key principles that are going on. Again, we touched on this uh, a little bit earlier, but what's what's in the mind of God here from this passage? And thirdly then, the, the biggest, most crucial step is to think about our hearers and our context today in contrast with the original hearers and and their context to note what's similar and to note what's different and that will help us avoid making a kind of proof texting mistake but also will help us see more positively why god's word is relevant so take that amos passage you will be thinking about in our day so what are the big areas of economic injustice in our community locally in our country and our world And then we can say, yeah, God's word speaks into these situations today, to help people think about that. And finally then, the final bit of some, must obviously talk about application of principles. And Mm. the preacher doesn't have to be an expert, uh, or pretend they're clever, they've got a brilliant economic policy that, you know, um, Philip Hammond or someone Mm. has never yet thought of, but we can guide people for principles. But application in people's own lives, Mm. so I think so what will justice mean for you buying and selling this week as you go to the supermarket and how you think about your relationship with people if you're an employer or if you're an employee or within your family um, those relational aspects uh, of justice so I think those are the steps I'd want to encourage people to take yeah
0: yeah time's almost defeated us Andy but um, uh, books you'd recommend on this area
1: yeah, there's three I've thought of. The one I just hinted at just now by Timothy Keller, Generous Justice, How God's Grace Makes Us Just. A really helpful uh, teaching about some of the biblical material and examples of what's happening today. A second one, really about money, because money includes our own personal attitudes to money, e- economics. A great book by Graham Bainan, Money Counts. Uh, and then a third one about uh, by Richard Higginson, Faith, Hope and the Global Economy. And that looks at... Christian business people across the world from many different countries and how their Christian faith is affecting the way they have set up and run businesses
0: wonderful well thank you so much It's much appreciated this has um, been illuminating so thank you for, for showing your, the benefit of your wisdom uh, on this on this area thank you so you've been listening to Leash it, Far with me Andy Peck I was joined this week by Andy Hartrop his own book which he very modestly didn't mention is What is Economic Justice is published by Pat Nostra I know you can get a copy certainly via Amazon so uh, do uh, check that out as well, uh, do listen to the leadership file via uh, On Demand uh, if you want to listen again to this particular episode and other shows and you can go to iTunes and you can get uh, uh, an archive of over 100 uh, shows that are there available for you and you can sign up and make sure that you get uh, each, um, each show there on your listening device. So I look forward to your company again next Sunday at 330 this is Andy Peck